0: Hey, Sean. No. And that's this episode of this. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever wanted to play a game? And you know that the game is a little bit more, more uh, in depth and requires a little bit more concentration and understanding. Yeah. And yet you decide that the best time to play that game or to start it is when everyone is, uh, you know, a half a dozen beers down. And it's super late at night
1: It was way more than half a dozen for each of us But I know where you're going and I love it And I think that's a good way to start our episode And what episode is that? This episode of the Scene On Screen Podcast Hey,
0: whether it's your favorite tabletop adventure, movie,
1: or video game We've got you covered Welcome to the Scene On Screen Podcast with your host, Sean and David usually segues don't go that well but david and i (laughs) I, i've been trying new things and uh we got we got some feedback from one of our friends it was like i love your segues now we're trying to make them more and more creative but that one was just kind of odd and perfect in a a weird sort of way (laughs) um you, you you've got you've got the vibe we're doing we're doing um we'll call it a Meeple-esque episode because Three Men and a Meeple don't exist anymore. Just Sean and David. And Sean and David are here to talk about co-op games today. We uh, we experienced uh, a few weekends ago uh, a bunch of co-op games all at the same time. and We played everyone under the influence of alcohol, which made some of them a little <laughs> bit more complicated than others. We did also play a few of them
0: slightly sober. I mean, like... Some of them started. It was a it was a slow decline into non sobriety. Sobriety. Yeah, that's what I said. True. <laughs> so
1: what we want to do is we want to break down four games for you guys today. We're going to give you a little bit of information off their their board game geek profile. We're going to give you a little bit of information of the game itself. We're going to tell you what we thought, what we liked, what we disliked, and hopefully. After this episode, you've picked up or tried one of these four games. Because I can tell you right now, I asked one of my friends the other day if she wanted to play um, one of the games we're talking about. And she's like, yeah, I would love to play that game. I'd also like to play it drunk. That sounds really fun. I was like, I'm not going to buy that game, though, because my other half won't play it. And her response was, we'll go to a board game place and we'll go drink and play board games. And I was like, I love that about you. You're an amazing friend. Let's go play games. So, David... What four games are we talking about today?
0: Well, Sean, the four games that we are talking about today is the Oregon Trail card game, which is, I think it's like a Target exclusive. It
1: is a Target exclusive. You got to get in the
0: States only. Uh, We are talking about Flashpoint Fire Rescue, a a co-op game where you're firefighters trying to save people from a burning building. We are talking about Betrayal at House on the Hill, uh, a classic seen on screen podcast board game um and then we are going to be talking about dead of winter a zombie survival game uh with with alcohol
1: (laughs) that game should not be played at you shouldn't learn that game at 10 o'clock at night under the influence
0: of Of anything really
1: (laughs) it's it's so so long Let's start off with the Oregon Trail card game. It's, it's a based,
0: classic. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say
1: it's based on the classic computer game, but it, it is a tabletop card driven adventure.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone starts off. Uh, we we are pilgrims getting our, uh, on our way to I don't even know where it's where you're heading. Wilmint Valley, Oregon. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're, you're just making your way across the Oregon Trail.
0: Yeah. Um, so the gameplay is pretty simple. Everyone has four four cards that have a, uh, a pathway on it. And you have to lay a card down in order to connect the path. Uh, and each card either has like a river on it. There's some really good ones that have nothing on it. Other ones say, you know, press space, continue. And you have to roll a dice. And depending on what you get, either you pick up an event or or an item or whatnot.
1: Or God forbid you sit there at the table and be like, guys, I don't want to tell you this. There's a <laughs> card in here that it's called snake bite and it'll instantly kill you. And then you pick it up and everybody laughs at you.
0: Yes. Um so the the concept that is pretty straightforward. The I th- I think it took us a little bit to get into um only because When you are playing a new game, obviously there's and and only one person has played like you've played in the past, but I don't think uh, anyone else has played it. Um, There is there is a learning curve with lots of questions and whatnot, and it didn't help that uh, the one person reading the the rule book was uh, was cherry picking (laughs) certain parts of the rules. But overall, like once we played a few rounds and we kind of understood the flow and the concept of what we're trying to do and how to work together, it actually was pretty it it was actually pretty enjoyable right because uh for a card game with very basic uh artwork on it and stuff like that i would say people got really got into it right like and the the strategy involved and like how to save people and it's funny because it's a co-op game but the people that we were playing with all like to really kind of chirp each other and (laughs) and and almost like try and screw each other over but then At the same time, we're like, oh, shit, we got to help each other out. Okay, fine. Here's 200 pounds of food, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) so You don't starve to death. The the basic concept of the game is everybody gets five cards
1: in their hand. You have to connect the trail piece by piece by piece. And uh, every essentially round is five cards. Now, um, rounds could be extended even longer if you have to play uh, an item to help out another um, traveler. So mm-hmm. I think the game that we ended up winning I would say oh, probably took us the on the high side of 40 45 minutes and we probably played 65 turns out of the 50 required and yeah. we had two people die by the end of that trip
0: and, and it was very close like I think uh we were we were a few one or two turns away from just not having because i think they the last round had a card that was played where it's like okay well nobody has any like the people that are alive didn't have any cards that could prevent that from succeeding in two rounds right so
1: yeah it was like if cholera showed up again we were in mm-hmm, trouble mm-hmm. The um the cool thing about the game too is like there is some cards that kind of like help you restock as well so like you can go into a ford or a town And we played two of those cards in the last like four, uh, like between 40 and 45. So um, David and I were still surviving and we were like two of the only people left. So it was a little bit trickier for us to to kind of go along because the people that died had all the supplies for like if one of our oxen died or Mm -hmm. an axle broke. So we 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 had to kind of navigate that as a group and make sure like like, okay, well, you know what? David has to give up a um food or clothing to keep all of us alive but he might also be sitting on cards that can help us progress throughout the game without us having um us need to roll to survive or yeah like pass like put, without putting
0: everyone at risk or at least putting myself at risk right of yeah. or something
1: so overall i would say like um board game geek has a down at a 4.2 out of 10. And that's slightly disappointing. And maybe that's only because it's not a widely available game and that that's okay to each his own. But this is a really fun, like get everybody kind of started game. If you're especially having a co-op night, this is like an amuse-bouche. It's like the equivalent of playing a few rounds of coup before getting into like some heavy games of the resistance or like playing Sheriff of Nottingham before playing like, Other games where you're competing each uh, competing with each other in deception. This is a great starter game.
0: You know what? The so I was just reading some of the reviews, and all of the poor bad reviews of this. uh, It's because people are saying that like it's difficult, that they haven't haven't uh, that they're not winning the game. We played three
1: times and won once.
0: Yeah, and you know what? That's what makes the game enjoyable for us right because like we get so close or it's like you you pull that snake bite and you're like ah crap right like i'm i'm dead i there's nothing i can do about it i mean this isn't a game that you play for hours on end this is like a starter game right for the for the the game day you'll play this like three or four rounds just to kind of get people warmed up but for the worst for the most part it looks like uh people are are saying that uh yeah they they haven't won or they're not able to win the game and because they die instantly and it's like you know what though how many of these people actually played the Oregon Trail co- computer game right you die instantly in that too <laughs> right like it's uh this is more of a conversation game right like something that like i said to warm people up get people working together is it the best game that i've ever played no is it simple enough that anyone can learn and play it absolutely and that's what makes it i think really good
1: yeah it's uh it's definitely one that we we like to bring out just at like random events because it's just so fun it's uh it's not too complex but it's simple enough that the concept is easy um i love some of these reviews too it's borderline impossible to win the game and everyone is just kind of miserable the whole time because everything is going terribly the first game was like rough for us to like get get into the game and get into the rhythm the second game we were so close i think we got to level like i want to say we hit 35 or something we were not like we were 15 away from the end Mm. um and then it was just like snake bite snake bite dysentery 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 it's i love the fact that this game is hard to beat
0: yeah like you don't want a game that especially a co-op game Right. Like a game like this, if you're playing it with four people, absolutely it needs to be difficult. If, if people are winning every, every round, or if majority of the rounds or, or games that you play are wins, then the game is, it's no fun. There's no challenge. Right. That why do we play games for the challenge? Yeah. Right. So, I would definitely give like I wouldn't give this like a, a perfect score, but I would say this is probably uh, close to I would say around an eight out of 10. It,
1: nice. I like I would probably give it a, a a seven and a half seven just solely because like I do think there are some elements of the game that you cannot control and in most co-op games for for that matter. You're rolling a dice, right? Like you're you're depending on a die to determine your fate. Look at D D. Look at some of the other games we're gonna be talking about today. Mm-hmm. Look at pandemic. Mm-hmm. A dice can ruin a perfect round really quickly. When you look at this game, it's just how the cards are stacked, right? Like you could have two people die in a like in two turns in a row. And that's just it. That's your game. You're done.
0: It's mm-hmm. over. I I think uh yeah, I think this one though if if you go in with the expectation that it's not going to be an easy, easy ride. And uh, like now my biggest gripe with the game is there's ammo. And yet the only there's two cards, I think, uh, out of the entire stack of uh, event cards or whatever that would allow you to use the ammo. And it's like hunting a rabbit or something like that. So it's it's kind of a useless a useless card, whereas like clothing, food, uh cart parts and whatever the other one is, uh clean water, those are used more often.
1: Yeah. Uh so um, once
0: we figure it out, like once we searched what the ammo was actually used for, nobody really picked it up because it's like there's no sense in in using it.
1: Yeah, and you can find food anyways. Yeah. Um, I want to read this one last review, then I'll get your final thoughts. We made it a personal goal to win this game at least once, and we could never win. I appreciate a game that is difficult, but this is ridiculous. Gave it a goodwill. I hope the next owners don't die of dysentery or drown crossing a river. <laughs> Guys, my final thoughts would be this game might not be for everyone. It's a good conversation starter. If you have the right people who are just down to have some good times and play some games, it's a great way to kind of get the room loose and engaged in games because nothing is worse than playing a co-op game with people who are not engaged or who are just like hoping the the games end. Right. And yeah, that that's never fun. And like we had a guy with us who doesn't really like to play a lot of games and had a lot of fun playing this game. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, what's really important. And he saved us like seventeen times with all with all <laughs> his supplies.
0: Very reluctantly though, I, I might I might add. Final thoughts? Uh I I agree with everything you said. Wow, that's a, that's a great final thought. <laughs> this is this is something though, like that's if you are someone who is okay with playing games that are difficult or playing games that you won't always win, uh like Sean said, this is a great game to get people started like this is a a, a great game for uh, a starting of a uh, board game night just to get people like loosened up and whatnot so um i'm definitely like when we were traveling through the states uh in august um and i'm definitely going to pick this up when i when i see it at target
1: are you gonna try and find it like thrifted or something in the states or are you just
0: uh you know I, like if hoping. if we if we s- are driving by a value village or Goodwill or whatever they have down there uh, will definitely stop in if I can find it. But if I don't find it by the time I'm on my last leg of the trip home, uh, we're stopping into a target and I'm going to pick it up and I will stop at whatever target I need. To, however many targets I need to. <laughs> well, the, to the crazy it. part about it too is like the
1: game's old, right? Like mm-hmm. um, when it came out, a friend of mine was actually at a target and was like, I thought of you. I know you like old video games. And a board game, this is kind of like a neat cross. I was like, board oh, game I'm is like the, the oldest drill. video game. Maybe. <laughs> it's not Pong, but it'll do. Okay, what's next? Flashpoint Fire Rescue.
0: This game, let me tell y'all. This game was probably the, the biggest hit out of all four that we played. Uh, Flashpoint is a co-op... I don't know it's a it's uses Cut. very sim, similar mechanics to uh, to the pandemic games like area um,
1: control, but not area control.
0: Well, like with the operators and everyone has like their special abilities and stuff like that. And you have so many action points that you can move. Uh, this is a co-op game in which we are firefighters and a house is uh, on fire and we have to manage the the spreading of said fire all while trying to save people trapped into the building um it is a two to six player game it came out in 2011 this game let me tell you got every single person so involved in their characters in the strategy and working together we played uh three games of this as well maybe we played four more, we played more than three games we, played, we only
1: won twice.
0: But the times that we won were pretty sweet. We're pretty epic. Well, let's talk well, the I game think,
1: first, and then we'll talk about the the epic win. Yeah,
0: I think we played we played this game more than four times.
1: Maybe um, like we there, played like we played different days. variations. Too, yeah, we right? played
0: we played this game actually over the course of two days, like multiple times over two days. Um, but the main concept of the game is the the main board has uh, like the layout of a house. Um, it's double sided. Uh one side's easier than the other, but uh it's got the main layout of the house, and a fire starts randomly in one of the rooms and it's a a grid like a twelve by twelve or an eight by eight grid, yeah, um yeah. so based off of some dice rolls well, that determines where the fire has started um and then each turn, players have the ability to move, put out fires, open doors, stuff like that. Um, And there are random, I don't know, uh, what are they called? Survivors? Victims? Yeah, they're they're points (laughs) of interest. Points of interest, that's right. So you have to go and find it, open that up, and then it's either a person or it's nothing, right? And then we have to save those people. So the goal is to save seven people or animals um and we lose by if four people trapped in the house die, um, and they die by being engulfed by flames <laughs> in the most horrific way possible. Uh, or if the fire spreads too much and uh walls are destroyed and there's set number of um damage markers for walls and doors and stuff like that. And if you have run out of those, um, then the house is the the structure is completely compromised in it falls apart and you lose.
1: Yeah, the um the cool thing too is the different um I guess factions or players you can be. Operators? Operators, thank you. Make the game so unique every chance you get because you can play a modifier where there's a hazmat technician, but you also have hazmat in play in the house which could be anything from a fire extinguisher that's going to explode to a propane tank you left beside your baby's crib. All the luck of the draw as to where we're putting these things.
0: You know what? We all know that babies love to play with propane tanks these days.
1: The the weird one is when, like, uh, the dog's in the toilet, and you're like, what the fuck? But it is what it is. Um, Where I found it super intriguing and interesting, and where the strategy really changed, is you can change your operator. It's not like Pandemic, where you can't, like, you don't have to pay AP to do so. Like, you can't pay AP to switch from like the chemical engineer to the scientist for this game you can change as long as you split like you spent half your AP to to switch Mm -hmm. to whichever character we were we were in rough we had three victims dead one victim alive we might have had I would say six on the high side maybe eight damage markers left for walls
0: yeah it was not looking good
1: um, the one guy at our table was like, I'm going to pay my AP and switch to the captain and we, we or the fire captain. And we learned as we were playing that the fire captain's ability to move other people around actually was super imperative to how we could work better as a team. Mm-hmm. But also we were able to attack fires and rescue people in different ways because he was sacrificing 50% of his turns. Mm -hmm. He was using his two free moves all the time to like try and move the truck that I was on or give David a better shot at like trying to clear out somebody because he can move faster than other people on encumbered or encumbered. Yeah. So
0: and sometimes like with especially with the the fire captain like using your abilities for other uh, for other characters or other players, you know, just even moving them one square can make a huge difference. And that's what we ran into quite a bit. It's like, you know what? I, I can move so far on my turn, but then I'm still not close enough to accomplish this. And and he'd be like, okay, well, you know what? I can move you one.
1: Yeah. And like the fact that the, uh, the driver operator could use the deck gun, but if you didn't like your result, and it was always on a three-by-three three grid, So if you didn't like the result you were in, you could re-roll, or you could you could re-roll one or both dice, right? Mm -hmm. So you had a lot of autonomy of how you were attacking things, and I think it made the game really interesting. What was crazy is we got to the very like we kept that fire smoldering, we kept getting it to smoke. There was less Mm -hmm. blowouts. Um, If you to to define a blowout, essentially if you hit the same spot with fire twice, an explosion would occur, which would follow out the grid too it would stop at a wall or blow through the wall and it would keep going out. We kept it and we ended up winning that game on the last roll.
0: And we got was so crazy. lucky like that, 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 okay. Well, we, pl- the game that we won the first time, um, we had, that was the second game that we played. So we yeah. actually kind of understood our strategy a little bit more and whatnot. And we were rolling. Okay. But, uh, we we did win with no casualties or anything like that. Like we were keeping things in in order. But that last game that we played, within the first, I don't know, four rounds, we had three people die. And if four die, then you you lose instantly. So we're like, oh my god! Like we were already on on edge right from the get go. But like like Sean said, like we kept. You can put fires out, and then they just kind of turn to smoke or uh if you roll the dice well and something is uh a fire starts or whatever in an area that's not adjacent to an already lit flame it just is smoke right until something happens and it in light so we were pretty lucky like all all of our rolls of the dice were on point like we were so lucky and i think by that time we had played the game you know four times already so everyone really understood their role and what they needed to do. And like you said, uh, halfway through one of the guys that we were playing with had changed his operator because it's like, you know what? We, we need someone else. That's a little bit like uh, we need the special ability. Yeah. Right. So once people got the hang of the game and understood what they need to do, then we were able to work together and communicate and say, you know what? Like I'm going to uh, the, the deck operator with like the big, The big gun that can clear out, you know, fires from the rooms like we knew, okay, you know, I'm going to work on this one because if this spreads, then we're screwed. Okay, yeah, tackle that. And then my operator, I could move extra spaces. uh, And so that allows me to get to two victims uh, faster. It's like, okay, I'm going to go through this route and open this up and, you know, be strategic like I'm going to break a hole through this wall just so that we can get through there so it's like it was so satisfying that last game that we played because everyone was on point we knew exactly what we needed and we came from a uh, almost like like it felt like a guaranteed lose to the most improbable win <laughs> right and we we were literally within i would say a few rounds like maybe two rounds of uh losing completely. If I, did,
1: if I didn't put out that last fire on my my first set of rolls, it was over mm-hmm. because like my last role put smoke out, right? Mm-hmm. Like when we had to redistribute fire, it was smoke. Now, th- we've talked about the good. We've talked about kind of like how we felt. We'll rate the game in a second. Did you have any gripes with the game? Was there anything that you didn't like?
0: Um nothing really like for the type of game that it was nothing really stood out or or at least it wasn't obvious Uh wasn't a big enough problem that now i can even think about it right like i i don't know i think if anything i i i wish there was some variations to um the amount of ap that each person can use
1: oh like depending on the rule set probably yeah
0: Yeah, because everyone is uh, has four, right? Like four main actions uh, or action points. Um, Some people have some extra like some additional points that they can use for a special action. Um, But I mean, like there was the mechanic that if you didn't use all of your action points, you can bank them for the next next round, which did come in handy. But it it did increase the strategies like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go and do this and this and I'm going to save two action points for the next round so that I can do a, an extra action complete. Right.
1: One, 100% sensible. I am um, the one thing I think should be a little bit clearer is how the grid works on the board. Like, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It uses four axes instead of two, which makes it so confusing. Like you're following red one through eight or black one through eight. And if it's like, um, Eight eight, then you're like trying to find which grid it actually hits, or eight four, but it's red eight, black four, or red four, black eight. You know, like it it always changed. And it was you know kind that's of...
0: the, you know that's the same thing, right? What did I say the same thing twice? <laughs> I think so. But the the way that the grids were set up is that there's two dice. There's a d six and a d eight. Yeah, so it was yeah. it was eight by six. But what was happening is that people were just looking at the numbers and then they weren't necessarily going to the, the correct grid. Like it was it was confusing in that sense. Uh, and I don't really know how they could do it otherwise. though. make it a different color.
1: Do you know, like because the red and the black kind of blended with the fire and all that stuff. Right?
0: That's true. That's true. But I guess if they're going trying to go for a, a thematic. Design, yeah, it's like hard
1: to notice, which is good, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. How do you rate you know what I, I would I would honestly rate this uh I would say a nine I think that the it's easy enough to learn it's not impossible to to win it's not impossible to lose though like the difficulty's right there. The only thing that I wish and I get it because it's it's a limitation of the actual physical game. Is that uh, I wish there was some variation or a way to have some variation to uh, the maps, almost, right?: Because um, well, there's both, only two.: Well, that's the thing. It's both sides, it's still a full-size building and all that stuff. Um, I think this would be really cool if there was uh, like, like a second story. Right, like that you could add that, like, sits on top of the board or whatnot. And it would have been pretty simple to implement that into the game or something like that, which just adds some replayability. Like, because after a while, it's like you can play this game a dozen times and it's the same maps, right? Like, uh, so I mean, like, you could always make something up to add to it.
1: Well, get some not, expansions, but not to lean on a game like Catan too hard. But if you had the ability to, like, the. The floor plan is the floor plan, but then you roll dice to determine where the doors and windows are. I think that would be a different element to the game as well.
0: Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. Or like, even if there's like the main board, so the grid and everything set up and then you, you place the room separately. So then it changes the layout. That would actually be a a really, that's actually a pretty good uh, concept.
1: Yeah, we should uh, market it, call it police rescue. And uh, be like, haha, we've got you beat, Kevin Lansing. Or how to uh, like
0: SWAT? Right. SWAT. So you have to go in and your SWAT team, and you have to break into a house to that save thousands save, save hostages. Exists.
1: Um, I give it a nine <laughs> as well, and I will tell you that, like, much like David and the Oregon Trail, I immediately told my other half, "I was like, this game is a game we want for entertaining." Hell, I we, said like we don't entertain that often, so it's a good like.
0: Yeah, game. I sent pictures to uh, she who shall be named and she was like, what is that? That looks fun. <laughs> and I'm like jackpot. That means I can buy it next time we see it. But uh, I think I'll definitely be adding it to our collection. 100%. All right, what's next? Well, the classic three men in a meeple <laughs> fun game seen on screen podcast. One of my favorite games betrayal at House on the Hill. Uh, we were playing the second edition. The third edition is out. But uh, yeah, we we got a sweet deal on the second edition from Target.
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, the second edition might have fucked us in the end. Just a well,
0: little. you know, we've ran into a, a classic problem of the second edition. Some of the rules are very convoluted uh, and, and missing key points of information. But. This is a, this is a Let, game Let's that...
1: break down um, betrayal first for those who have not listened to meeples or haven't yeah. played.
0: So this is a game where uh, it starts off as a co-op game and then it turns into a one versus all game. So you are all individuals and you're exploring a, a mansion, a building and you explore and build this as you go. So there's floor tiles that you uh, when you go through a door, you flip over a floor tile and, and place it in that room. Depending on uh, the, the room, there might be an event, there might be an item, or an omen. So the omens are eventually, when a certain number of omens are drawn, the haunt begins. And so then based off of what uh, item it was, what room it was, will determine which haunt is actually happening. So this is a game that 3 of us out of the group of 4 had played already. Um so the the initial setup and and gameplay was actually pretty straightforward. Uh we played two games. The first game uh who was it, it was neither of us who was the uh It was the, the newest the one to the game. Yeah, yeah. Uh Which was quite interesting, actually, because uh, this person who had joined us uh, wasn't very well-versed in board games compared to the rest of us. Like, he's played games in the past, but uh, games like Catan and Monopoly and, you know, the family games. Oh, good games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) So when the haunt happens and the trader is determined, they have to go off into another room and they're given a book with instructions on what they have to do in order to win. And then everyone else hangs back and has a book on what they have to do in order to win. So there's, uh, it, it's a cool concept because the game shifts in a way that now certain aspects of the game no longer come into play. We can attack each other. We can fight. We have to use items that, against each other. There's more combat involved. Um, but we don't know as as the survivors, we don't know what the traitor or the betrayer can do. We don't know how they move, what their objectives are. Like we know a basic idea of what their objectives are, but we don't know specific details and vice versa. They don't know what we need to do or how we would defeat them. So uh, we we come back and do you remember what the scenario is? Um it was a
1: monster that was trying to let um things in the window.
0: <laughs> oh yes, that's right. And we had to uh process exorcisms in certain certain rooms and whatnot. And uh so this is where the, the 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 difficulty can really increase depending on how people have explored the the mansion. Um and where they are in the in the house. So the first game was actually was pretty good we won uh and just barely i think uh both you and one other guy was was dead and uh the betrayer was coming after me and i was lucky enough that i had managed to move to the room and just rolled correct yeah (laughs) to to uh to win but the game is easy enough to set up and learn. And the nice thing, I think you only have to learn half of the game first. Right. Like You learn the co-op aspect of it. And then when the haunt begins, then you can take the time to learn how to do that. It's not like a game where you have to learn all aspects of everything all at once to be able to play it, because the game is really divided in two distinct, uh, like almost like chapters right? The first half of the game, we're working together, we're exploring a house. The second half of the game, ah, shit's gone down, and now we are trying to survive, and one person's trying to kill everyone. Yeah. Now, here's where the problem comes. The Is first the rule- one,
1: we'll we'll stop there first by saying the first one, there was no, like, illusion that the rules were incorrect. The first one, I think the haunt was fine. I think the game ended perfectly fine. but. Mm-hmm. The second game came around and by the time the haunt started and we like we we were fortunate enough to have one of our party members on the co-op side die early, very early, which meant they could look at both rule books because we were all super confused with how the game was supposed to end. Mm -hmm. That like we we said the co op team won, but we don't know if they actually did because there was no definition of how um i guess the demon could be slayed slash how yeah, like the demon could defend some, itself it was, it was
0: missing instructions on on proper monster movement right so then that limited our understanding of that stuff um and like and,
1: sorry just to, to finish that too it's like we there was no instruction in the book on whether or not you had to attack with a stamina or a physical or a physical or a Um, what's the other one called mental mental roll.
0: yeah like using a mental damage or or physical damage yeah
1: but it never it never defined what you're supposed to use it just gave you the value based off Mm -hmm. monster one two three and four
0: yeah and i think what made we that game lasted a long time and i think we spent at least a good 45 minutes just kind of trying to decipher the rules and and the final uh like the final last few moves, it's just like, okay, can we do this? How does this work? But because it wasn't explicitly said in the rule book and the instructions that were there were very generic, right? Like they, I think what was happening is that in the rule book they had, well, for the example, they had the demon Lord and then the demons like the minions, but then they inter used the, the term demon interchangeably to the, to talk about either one so they never really explicitly like explicitly said okay this is how the demon lord moves uh versus their demon minions um and we were kind of we were very confused in that regard but like we won like the we defeated sean was the betrayer in that one we defeated sean but it didn't feel like a it it was uh we a were all cheap- happy the game ended. It was a cheapened win because we were so kind of confused based on the rules. And and I mentioned to everyone, I had played that scenario once before and we ran into the same problem when we played that in the past. And it's like, okay, how do these characters move? What are we supposed to do?
1: Uh, the uh, The interesting thing too is like as the betrayer, I took advantage of a a rule that's set out at the beginning of the game like if you read through the rule book there are um there are instructions on each one of your haunts which tells you what what can and can't be done and there's an assumption that certain items are in play some because you need that item and like that item card activates a haunt potentially, Uh right? Uh Uh Or you know that that item has to come up in order for the game to be completed. So in my case, it was the ring. But the other weapon that was brought up was the revolver. And I knew the revolver was in play. So I asked one of the co-op players to define the rule on how the revolver works. And the reason I pointed that out is because A, I used my right to clarify the rule. But b. It solidified the fact that the revolver couldn't be used to kill the demon, but it could be used to kill my character from a distance if the role was right. But it was effectively a useless weapon in the grand scheme of things, because my character still had to do his own thing, but the demons could all kind of do their own thing. Mm-hmm. And then it was it was just so all over the place. And it made it very difficult for us. Like David's right, like the last probably 10, 15 minutes of the game, nobody enjoyed it was yeah, just like just oh like, maybe i'll die this time this turn so i could just stop playing
0: yeah um one thing that was really like that's really enjoyable about the game though is, is and we saw this the second round that we played it depends on how like how quickly you are exploring each floor of the mansion can really change how the haunt happens right so the second haunt we needed to get into certain rooms to do an exorcism exorcism or use certain items. Well, two of the four rooms were revealed and we had two or actually one of the items that we could use. And the person that had the item was you, the person we were trying to kill. (laughs) So it added, I I
1: think you're, you're mixing both games up because the exorcisms was in round one where we already had three of the rooms open. Oh, yeah, that's two, right that's right you, like i picked the room based you, had the ring. you had the ring the location, and uh, we
0: needed the ring right so okay yeah so the second the or sorry the first game yeah it was the the rooms were revealed and but the second game uh we needed to get items and you had the item that we needed so we had to kill you but then also all of the uh extra stuff that we needed was in rooms that were not revealed because everyone had really explored the top floor of the mansion. And there are certain floors that or certain tiles that can be used for either any floor, but then there are certain rooms that are only on the main floor. Right. And so we had to spend time exploring that as well and, and whatnot. So you can really kind of screw yourself over as the survivors. If people don't explore the mansion equally.
1: Yeah, and and we
0: ran into that, which is cool, though, because it adds an extra layer of uh, almost panic once the haunt happens and you're reading the instructions and it's like, oh, we have to find this room. Crap, that could be anywhere. So now we have to spend our time avoiding whatever is trying to kill us, all while trying to explore the house and find a room. It adds a a lot more uh, um, strategy to the game overall, though. I think this game's a lot of fun. Yeah, we Minus- know where
1: we stand on this game, too. But yeah. just for our listeners, we would I would say it's a good eight out of ten. Um, it's always fun when you play it. I would like to get the updated version with hopefully better rule sets. Mm-hmm. But overall, for the amount I'm playing Betrayal, the, the version I have is perfectly fine. It's a great game if you want to just get lost. And the bonus to this game versus a lot of other games is there's playlists on spotify and on youtube where you just throw them on in the background and it gets everybody into the game
0: Mm -hmm. um i would give this one an eight out of ten uh it's always a fun game it's it's easy enough to learn and like i said before you can learn it in two sections right so uh every single time i've played this game with people we've had a lot of fun it's just once the haunts kind of happen there's gonna be a lot of confusion And so apparently they fix a lot of that in the third edition. Um, But if people are on the fence on whether or not to buy this game, I would honestly recommend buying the legacy edition of the game, either the third edition, if you want something like that, but the betrayal legacy, Um, it's cool in a sense that it's the same concept of the game, but it has a story kind of behind it. Um, So there's 13 games that you play. And as you're playing, you're unlocking new cards, unlocking new tiles, unlocking new items. But then, once you finish all 13 of those games, you have a fully customized game with the history of every game that you've played. But then you can play the basic, standard betrayal at House on the Hill game
1: as many times as you want.
0: As many times as you
1: want. You throw out all the other cards, they're useless. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, eight out of 10 from both of us. And then we played one last game. At 1030 at night, 20 beers deep. <laughs> let me tell you, it, it went quick. as
1: well as you'd think it went.
0: It was fun. It was fun. We uh, so we played dead of winter. And now, Sean, you had never played this game before. Correct. We had talked about playing um, myself and one of our one of the other guys there has played this game a lot. So um, I think that was our saving grace for this game because two of us knew how to play the game enough that we didn't need to really review. I We didn't even have to look at the, the manual at all, like for clarification, because we played the game so often. But uh, do you, do you remember enough of dead of winter to describe what the game is?
1: Dead of winter to me was a, a survival game again, much like pandemic where you, you control, in this case, two characters again, different jobs that they have to do, while you're trying to protect your colony. It was called a colony, right? For this yeah. One, or- yeah. The colony. So you're you're protecting your colony, while you're also going out to different locations to scavenge for food, supplies, medicine. But every single round around the table, there's a different objective, and we played open-handed. Uh, You can keep me honest if I'm wrong, but we played an open handed style game where everybody knew what the objective was and people were actually, well, the objectives are uh, always known, but there was no like betrayer or mole. Yeah, we were all playing open and honest, being like, here's food, here's this, here's that.
0: Yeah. So one of the mechanics in the game is you can have a trader. So everyone has a secret objective um, and it will either determine whether or not their goal is to help everyone win or uh, one person's goal is to like sabotage the colony adding a trader v- increases the difficulty of the game like tenfold
1: and that game was already hard as fuck
0: it was already hard enough so we play without a traitor, Um, and then that allowed us to play open-handed uh, in regards to items that we had and stuff like that um, and I think that was the right choice so that we could actually spend our time uh, discussing and, and, and working out the best, best case scenarios for, for everything in the actions. Um, so yeah, the, the goal is to like, we selected, uh, a scenario and now granted the game we played for like three hours. And the, the scenario that picked was, was long, a long scenario. There's multiple ones. Some of them, it's like, you need to kill so many zombies to, to get so many zombie heads. There's certain ones where you have to, um, have so much food by the end of some certain rounds. This one that we played was pretty basic. All it was, was survive eight rounds. Now you can lose multiple ways. You can lose if you, uh, if everyone dies Yep. and you lose morale, you can lose if, uh, a trader, uh, is in play and, and the, the colony gets overrun. Um, hell you can lose if there is no trader in play and the colony gets overrun by zombies. Um, there, there's a lot of different ways to, to lose but primarily is like when someone dies or when a colony f- or a location comes overrun by zombies you lose morale once your morale hits to zero you, you lose instantly so this game we spent a lot of time kind of explaining what to do and i kept saying it, it gets easier once you've done a few rounds and played a few rounds and it's true like for how much we were drinking. (laughs) I mean, it did take quite some, quite a bit of explanation, explanation, but, uh, I would say by halfway through the game, you know, you had a pretty good grasp of, of what to do.
1: Minus where my gas can went, which we still don't know to this day, (laughs) but I, I would say, yeah, by like round three. I had a good concept of what I was supposed to do. Minus forgetting to pick up my card. Hmm. Um. and i also believe we were playing the one mechanic wrong where directions were changing but turns were starting in the right spot or the wrong spot and i know we didn't clarify the rule but that just seemed very confusing to me that things were going left and right at the same time
0: yeah like first player uh order changes each round and then the order of players going was uh, was opposite yeah it was Se- a little confusing.
1: seemed seemed very weird what i will say though is like there is a simplicity to this game that like, I'd agree with board game geek having it at a, like a three out of five complexity rating mm-hmm. because you have to know, or you have to understand what your cards can do and how you can mo- manipulate the board and move around and help your, your fellow survivors where I think the confusion breeds in games like these is if you have players that really know what they're doing and you have two players who have never played the game before it did work out that we were in opposite so it was bad good bad good but there wasn't enough like i i would argue that mine and the one other guy's turns took far longer because we had to be sure and mm-hmm. they would, we'd always question what we were doing. And like that takes away from the experience of feeling like you're in the game, right? Like you don't feel involved. You don't feel like a betrayal. Even with the, the rookie that we had, everybody felt like they were in that house. It wasn't the illusion that we were playing this game. We were in that house. We were We were fighting for our lives. We were killing little Timmy. All that stuff happened. With Dead of Winter, I just felt there were so many like breaks from the game unintentionally that you were never really like I never felt like zombies were really there and i like i know it's not like you're supposed to be in the board game and you are the board game but like there was enough separation from the reality to the game that you don't feel fully involved and i think you need four experienced players to have that
0: i mean i think i i agree i think if we had were to play again then and everyone knew kind of what they had to do and what their actions were and all that stuff then yes we would be you'd be able to get a little bit more involved in the game but or at least in the theme of the game but i don't think that that was necessarily a bad thing when we were playing
1: because not, not at all
0: because you guys were learning but at the same time like we were fo very focused on the co-op aspect of the game, helping each other, strategizing and 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 confirming kind of things of what we're gonna do. And and yes, your turn and one of the guys' turns was was longer because you're taking more time to make sure that what you're doing was was correct or that you could do it. But it didn't take away from my enjoyment from the game at all because I knew what I I was trying to accomplish in the game, right? And part of the fun of co-op games is working together and saying, you know what, like this works. I can do this, and then you can do that, or this is probably a better idea for our overall success of this game. And it's not that you you know you end up playing other players' characters, but it allows people to work together to discuss and to strategize to come out ultimately on top and and everyone wins the game right
1: yeah i'd like again i can't disagree with that at all i just it to me never felt like we were fully in a game and like pauses aside it just maybe it's the fact that eight rounds or 32 turns shouldn't take three hours
0: well the game is very long like it would have probably still taken us at least like two hours to play the game if we all were skilled at the game and knew what we we're doing, right. It's still at least a two hour game. So, I mean, for three hours for four guys who were, had been drinking all day and tired and <laughs> having to learn this game. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Um, the fact that we won was even better and it was getting close. I think we were down to uh, one or two rounds where if we didn't have enough food, we would have, people would have died and then we would have, we would have lost so the fact that we won is also uh, a a big positive for the game and i think everyone's experienced it. now i have played the game so many times um i played it at least a dozen times in the last uh few years and i can honestly say that i've only won maybe three times
1: and we won that's so funny
0: right um and again the way that we were playing was slightly different uh because we knew that there's no trader in there and so we were open more with like what items we have and so like that. and when you're playing with a trader you can still tell everyone what items you have but you know you don't know if someone's lying if someone says that they don't have any fuel and they do right like there's there's no rule saying that you have to be truthful of what you have. But we were when we were playing a co-op together, that's that's uh how the we were yeah. sharing sharing information. So what are your thoughts on the overall like of, of Dead of Winter? Because uh, I and I'm very curious because your experience was very different than mine because you were learning the game.
1: So overall, I thought it was fun. I would like to play that game of a better mindset like i don't think i need to be 12 beers deep and six porch crawlers and all whatever else we were drinking i don't think that's the way to play that game
0: no definitely not
1: i like i do enjoy the idea of like building your own backstories for players and like continuing that story along while you're like communicating i think that's a really fun kind of element to the game And like every story is going to be one of your own. So we won't get into that. But what I will say is the one thing that kind of like sold me on the idea of the game and like my other half hates zombies. So it's a non-starter for a game that we would purchase is I love games that are dependent on each other to play. Competitive board games get kind of gross. People get feelings hurt sometimes and it's, truthfully like it's rough sometimes
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. sure games need winners and losers but everybody pulls out like oh my god I'm going to lose then you automatically like you win and the sore loser card comes out and everything like you know it's just a pain in the ass Mm
0: -hmm.
1: on the the scale of co-op games this might be one of the best ones I've played on my rush out to buy scale probably not I could play it if other people have it but I'm not interested in owning it. Is that fair?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think your decision to purchase games is also heavily dependent on if your uh, significant other will play them, right? Um, or if yes. if you have a group of friends that will play them. My decision, purchasing decision, is based off of no rhyme or reason. You know, it could be the temperature outside is uh, is the perfect temperature, so I might as well buy a game. <laughs> um, now, you had mentioned the, the backstory of the characters. Now, this is something that, that I, I'm not sure if other people do it. It's not written in the rules, but we, uh, I like making backstories of the characters. So that's kind of how we have always played the game. You start off with having two characters, and you make a backstory. Why are they there? And the one thing that I pointed out is that the one person who, uh, other than you, who had not played this game, and had was like kind of like apprehensive about playing the game because it was it it was a big, busy game actually came up with one of the most interesting and detailed backstories, so right away, I knew that this person was invested in this game, even though he was learning it, yeah, right so uh, and the thing is like you said, like these stories continued on as we were going, so you you kind of make the game unique in a sense that it it kind of becomes your own. So we can play this game again, have different characters, have completely different backstories. But again, it's a starting point. It makes, uh, it makes it almost more believable that this could be something that happened, right? Like, you know, like a movie or something like that. Like they, so I thought that was really cool. I think once you, you can tell if someone's going to get into a game is if they follow through with those little simple things.
1: Yeah. Right. And like they stayed for the entire story. And like I had a character die and like my character was kind of a big deal. He was the sheriff. But the sheriff was also having an affair with one of our other people's characters. (laughs) Right. And she was a school teacher and all this other stuff. And she was devastated when the sheriff died, saving the colony. It was just it was so funny because like unprompted, the guy who had um, that character like played the part of like oh my god she's devastated like she just lost her like her husband or whatever and it just kept going and that's the other thing too right the fact that the entire table just went along with whatever stories were coming out and continuing to grow them Mm -hmm. made it special so where i would rate this game is tough I would give it probably a solid seven and a half solely because I don't know how much replayability I could have unless I'm playing with people at their houses or at a board game bar. Mm-hmm. But it's a good game. It's a fun game. You just need to allot a lot of time. Like, if I had to choose between Risk and Dead of Winter, I would look at what players I was playing with before I decided. That's fair. How about you?
0: I would give this one. Uh, oh, oh my god, there's a... I need to get this. Sorry. I'm just looking at some of the expansion stuff. There's a, uh, it's funny. Literally, uh, a Mountie. Like, uh, R- RCP Uh, anyway, so I, uh, this is one of my top games. Like I'm always down to play this game. Um, I would give it a, uh, a solid eight though. Um, because the difficulty is, is very high. Uh, it has a, It is not an easy game. It's not a forgiving game. Um, But it is one of those games that I am always down to play. Um, It is always a, I would say it's always a crowd pleaser. Um, There are some expansions uh, that you can get. There's, uh, I think, two expansions, Warring Colonies and something else. I haven't played any of those uh, because the base game honestly has enough content and enough replayability that I don't feel like I've needed to get any of the expansions, which is fair. Yeah, um, this is a game that my significant other enjoys to play and gets into it very well with making uh, backstories with the characters and stuff like that. And and I yeah, I, I would say this is a solid eight. There's there could be some easier, like more beginner friendly modes or, or, or ways to play. But uh, overall, I think this is a game that's definitely not a starter, but I would say this is like more of an, an intermediate above average beginner game because the concepts are pretty basic. Uh, it's pretty straightforward and uh, there's a lot of replayability and variety
1: all right so here comes the question of the day before we wrap up you have been given the ability to buy one of these four games or to you just rate these games one through four now you've never played any of them so you've just played them all for the first time on the weekend like a few weekends ago okay how would you rate your experiences between one one through four based on how the group played and just how you would play, it? like, would you play them again based on your experiences that weekend?
0: Oh, like, well, based off how the group played is different than how we, like, my individual opinions are on the the, the game. That's why I asked this way. So I would say based off of how our group played, I would say Flashpoint was our number one game. Yep. Um, Then I would say Oregon Trail. Okay, Interesting. Because uh, again, like that was a very that game. Everyone got really involved in, and uh, it was once we won that one, it was like a, almost a great relief. But it was a lot of fun. Then I would say, um, see, dead of winter and betrayal. It's it's kind of teeter teeter-totter, teeter tottering about either one. I would say dead of winter before betrayal, uh, in the sense because. Yes, Dead of Winter was a little bit more confusing. It took us a little bit longer. But once we got into the game, once everyone got into the game, they were into the game. And there wasn't a lot of uh, rule clarification that was needed other than just turn clarification, right? Like, can I do this? Yes or no? Okay, cool. And then I would say Betrayal. And I love Betrayal, but I think the, the confusion with the the rules just took away a significant amount from the experience of that game
1: i would agree i would say number one was definitely flashpoint number two in my eyes was dead of winter and here's why the amount of dedication and determination four drunk guys had (laughs) in playing this game seeing it through and keeping the story alive was fantastic uh, again, Oregon Trail is a good number three. It was a quicker game, but you could see like how excited we were to win. Like it was, it was mm-hmm. an accomplishment to win that game because it's a hard game to win. Mm-hmm. It's a lucky game to win, but it's a hard game to win. Betrayal betrayed us by being broken, and mechanically, that's going to happen in an older like a what is that game? Ten years old now.
0: Uh, Twenty fourteen, I think. Right? Yeah, something like that. But this is also the second edition.
1: Yeah, and they fucked Uh, it up. So, like, that's on them, not us. 2004 was... 20 years ago.
0: Holy shit. Jeez. Yeah.
1: Needs, like, it's it's hard not to replicate greatness. And it is a great game. But for our group, it was the worst of the four. Now, realistically speaking, if I was given... We'll say every for for everything equal, all games are fifty dollars in this scenario. If I was given one fifty dollar bill to go buy one of these games, it would be Flashpoint one hundred percent.
0: I think See, if I had one game to purchase out of all three of them, they're all the same price. I would buy. I would buy Dead of Winter.
1: See, Dead of Winter would be my secondary only because I think the values there at fifty dollars. Yeah, but I like. I do want to play it more, and I want to experience it more. I just well, don't want to invest in that experience right now.
0: You know what? It's on. I'm not buying uh, it. For, it's on. It's on TTS. Maybe we'll do a stream. We'll get uh, get our buddy uh, Alex on on the stream for playing Dead of Winter.
1: You know what? I am down for that. Maybe maybe we'll have a little bit more. Yes. But we want to know what you guys think. We want to know if you like the co op games that uh, we we discussed today, and if you would purchase any in the future. If so, let us know. For myself. Wow, is wow, very nice. And David. That Hansel's so hot right now. We want to thank you all for listening. and We'll catch you on the next episode of the Scene on Screen podcast.